0: This is a Humble Man Recording. Scano, Sego, Ani. You're listening to the Red Road Podcast with Courtney Skye and Hayden King.
1: Good morning, Courtney.
0: Good morning, Hayden.
1: How are you on this gray day?
0: Oh, you know, the usual.
1: Gray day. It's a metaphor for my life at the moment
0: I am the clouds
1: uh, are coming in Yeah. you're well though yeah I'm good that's good
0: I'm good I'm uh, sleepy as always Um, but somehow still wake up feisty and angry
1: (laughs) with lots of things to say
0: yeah Um, I made a controversial Instagram story last night which I thought was hilarious.
1: Are you going to start Mm chirping Nishnabek again? Yes. Is that where this is going?
0: Well, that's what the general thesis of my Instagram story was last night. But um, my cousin saw it, Terry, and she was like, yes, I love this. Tell Hayden that hoods don't get ready. We stay ready.
1: So you'll have to describe your Instagram story for people.
0: Okay, so I should talk about like, so last night I went shopping for um, Halloween costumes with my nieces. This is the second trip we've taken so far to plan and prepare for their um, Halloween costumes. And we ended up going to a pet store last night that was near uh, a thrift store. And we... (laughs) went into the thrift store and there was all these bearded dragons and these this one bearded dragon kept standing on another bearded dragon and i just thought it was so funny so i took a picture of it and so there's one bearded dragon sitting on top of another one while another one watches and so the two assertive ones i wrote hugs next to and then the one that was getting stepped on i wrote nish <laughs> right can, it's right. on my twitter you yes. can check it out it's also on my twitter
1: Multi platform niche bashing.
0: Yeah. I did another version that was like section thirty five Aboriginals and put First Nations Metis Inuit and the Metis one was the one getting stepped on. Oh.
1: <laughs> hey, we're better on our backs, so <laughs> look out. We sneak up. <laughs> I'll have to make That's a I'll true. have to make a counter meme.
0: Yeah. Do you know what memes are?
1: <laughs> I I do know what memes are. I, I feel like There's a little bit of a meme revolution happening right now with RNL tail feathers. Yeah. Political memes. I think that they just take complex historical political developments, put them into a meme, and I'm a big fan.
0: Yeah, I'm a big fan of RNLs as well. Also, killing it on social media within the last 24 hours is OG Romeo Saganash.
1: That's right, yeah. Uh what can you say? Not not killing it in social media, killing oh. it in the House of Commons.
0: Oh yeah, right on the ho- right on the floor.
1: He's just tell he's just saying what we all feel.
0: I love it. I uh yeah, I have so much respect for Romeo Saganash. I was actually living in Ottawa and I got to see some of his advocacy in action around Bill S3 and around status and uh, you know, the efforts to continually expand the defi- the legal definition of status and Romeo just threw down in committee and he's a very well respected parliamentarian but he never holds back and is always telling the truth and I really, really admire him and that kind of outspokenness
1: I, I think it was overdue, you know it's, it's so frustrating to have people like Carolyn Bennett and of course Justin Trudeau come out and say you know this is the my most important relationship and indigenous rights will be recognized in this nation to nation relationship and it's all and it's all bullshit and we all see that it's bullshit you you can't build pipelines through territories indigenous territories uh, and expect indigenous rights to be realized and basically that's what Saganesh was saying in the house of commons last night and in, in just affirming what we all all feel, right? Like, Justin Trudeau doesn't give a fuck about Indigenous rights.
0: Yeah, and I think that it's really... Uh, it really became evident. It's interesting to see how... the criticism that's being levied at, Romeo... I don't know if you watched... Who's criticizing him? Oh, CTV did this panel, and they were like, it's all just a show, he's doing this for... Um, just for the attention that he's getting from it. And it's like, yeah, the conversation has never been about calling out the hypocrisy of the liberal government when it comes to indigenous uh, rights, or First Nations rights, and so yeah, you can get a reaction by using language like that on the floor, and it will spark a a conversation, right? And I don't think that Romeo did that not knowing what the consequences of it would be.
1: It's interesting how the media and the chattering classes are responding to this though, you know, they're not actually engaging with Indigenous rights, they're not actually asking, well, what are the implications of Justin Trudeau's decisions on Indigenous title, they're, you know, they're not asking how, uh, uh, they're, not, they're not addressing the points that he raised, instead it's, it's just, this is about, you know, decorum and there, sh- there shouldn't be this kind of language in the House of Commons. It's all a show, etc., etc. That's a that's a really effective strategy, or at least a strategy that I think we see through of deflecting and trying to completely circumscribe his his critique.
0: Yeah. Sorry, I missed all of that. You're I, you're
1: trying to yeah trying to find us a better route.
0: I just uh, cut across like four lanes of traffic. It's fine. Hayden's hair is fine.
1: <laughs> and. Did you notice that I continued on with my
0: yeah
1: my analysis yeah. unfazed yes. yeah. Uh despite the threat of being crushed by that giant dump truck?
0: Whatever, I saw it. This car beeps. This car is so fancy, but like I re- I've noticed recently that you trust my driving a little bit less <laughs> since we've gotten this car because this car is a snitch. <laughs> That's
1: right. It lets you, <laughs> let you know when you shouldn't be changing lanes because there's a car right beside you yeah and then you change lanes anyway
0: or I'm drifting into another lane if I get too close to the line the car will beep and every time the car beeps Haynes like what is that what's going on we <laughs> are you su- doing we're not
1: gonna survive the red road
0: yeah I mean that's why we had to get a bigger car than the little car I was driving before but yeah I mean we got a sweet grass braid
1: sweet grass braid <laughs> So it's uh sad that Romeo is not gonna continue on as as an MP he's gonna he's gonna retire and uh, yeah I guess maybe that's what allowed him to to uh, say fuck in the House of Commons he knew he was on his way out so
0: yeah
1: get that in the Hansard
0: Mhm. yeah Romeo Saganash in the Hansard is like the best I um, had this thing where like I really wanted to start like an indigenous feminist scene when I was in Ottawa and just have all these like hand-drawn memes and um, just photocopy it and litter it across the hill whilst I was in Ottawa and it was always, <laughs> I just kept getting teased by the staff that I worked with. It just being like, it's just going to be like a stand zine for Romeo Saganash and just how much I admire him and how like just every and every week, right? Anyone who follows, politics and follows what's going on in the house or follows committees will know that this is not uh an outlier for romeo he's off he does this would you, he say, has a career of this. Would you
1: say he's the most effective indigenous member of parliament hands in down. canadian history hands down he really is,
0: he is the most effective first nations leader holding an elected position in the country right now
1: is that right there's
0: no other person who has been voted into office that is as effective as romeo saganash
1: the most persuasive eloquent hardworking, yeah. but most yeah. effective
0: yeah i, I think mean, he's super he, effective because okay. i think that he has what he has is the respect of his colleagues too right while he does have this firmness I think that he's also well-respected amongst his peers. And he has a person... Even though he's not in a party that holds, um, you know, majority right now, he has a persuasiveness about him that holds the other parties to account and they listen when he criticizes them. Mm-hmm. And I think that it also lends itself to credibility, right? That I think that there's this idea that's going on within, I guess, you know, the... Pe- people that are engaged in reconciliation that for some reason we need to continually be thankful that this is a part of the dialogue and that we have this moment and part of that is continue like almost towing a party line for parties that don't serve us mm-hmm. because they're elected into a colonial contract that requires our Disempowerment. So I think that, like, even though things are kind of going our way now, that doesn't mean that you op- that you're not critical or right. that you don't have some sort of accountability to them. Right. That we have to we don't have to um, be boosters for the liberals. We can actually still be very critical of what they're doing and also have progress for our communities right and i think that's what i find that romeo balances that quite well but yeah in my opinion he's probably like oh like more more effective than any um indian act freaking Inac employee
1: right or uh, yeah well i mean i guess uh, you could you could you could compare him to other mps you could compare him to elected chiefs yeah um
0: like, what's the freaking, what's that Robert Falcon Olette what has he been in the news for? Wearing a freaking blood-soaked freaking jacket into the House of Commons. That's the impact he's had.
1: Yeah, I I think that Robert Ouellette Falcon certainly does a lot of grandstanding. Um, I was going to ask if you knew any native <laughs> liberals you know, so mm-hmm. Rock, uh, Robert Ullett- Falcon mm-hmm. is a is a is a mm-hmm. liberal, of course. Jody Wilson Raybold, uh, yeah. Don Re- <clears throat> Resnack. Resnack, uh Who else is there? Yvonne Jones um, uh, in the caucus. Yeah. <clears throat> what have they done?
0: I mean, arguably nothing.
1: I, I think you know mm-hmm. you mentioned you mentioned party discipline and why Romeo is so effective, uh, at least. You know discursively in being able to influence the the discussion and then also in some ways i guess influencing policy he did he did write a bill that the liberals did support and we'll see if it actually passes the house before the next election but Mm -hmm. so that those are indications of effectiveness but one of the ways or one of the reasons i think he's able to do that is because he he doesn't hold himself to the party discipline and Mm -hmm. maybe that's just the sort of nature of the new democrats they have a little bit more freedom and latitude um, mm-hmm. Whereas if you're a native politician or any politician in the liberal party or a conservative party and you don't abide by party discipline, you know, you're going to get turf.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Maxim Bernier is a good example.
0: Um, the other guy. Um,
1: I'm surprised Robert that Falcon hasn't been turfed yet. He's, Trudeau wants to keep his Indian numbers up, so Yeah. held on to him.
0: Mm-hmm. The other guy? Yeah, he got... He was a minister. Got kicked out from the far north.
1: Uh, Peter Panashway. No. Who are you talking about? Uh, Hunter. Oh, Hunter Tutu. Yeah. Yeah, that's that. Yeah, that's a good point. He. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what happened with Hunter. I think that there were some pretty, um, maybe salacious, details mm-hmm. that made keeping him impossible, but.
0: Yeah, he is an independent though, right? Like he's. That's right,
1: that's right. And I don't know if he is, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. I don't know... I, I suppose that's why you haven't heard too much from him because party discipline is such that you speak out against your party, you get kicked out of the party, and you become a nobody in the House of Commons.
0: Yeah, I mean, he also didn't speak out against his party, right? But he, That's true. He, but um, well, yeah. Yeah, but there's just less resources afforded too, right? Like there's different legislative Mm -hmm. uh, resources that every MP gets in relation to their proximity to power. And an independent sitting member gets base salary, base costs kind of thing, right? So he would have less resources at his disposal to be able to affect the change that he wants to, right? And I think that he definitely probably is... Been humbled by the bad experience, and um, but yeah, I mean, so, I, I've seen him at committee as well.
1: So, what about all of those? You know, okay, so if we if we accept Romeo Saganash's premise that it, Justin Trudeau doesn't give a fuck about Indigenous rights, how do you respond if you're a Cree or um, I guess there's no Mohawks in them. <laughs> House of Commons, uh, Cree or or Nishnabe uh, legislature, and the Liberals. Like, how do you respond to that? How do you, you know, do you get up and say Romeo Saganesh is wrong, and I firmly believe in Justin Trudeau's decision to run roughshod over Indigenous rights and create this bullshit rights framework legislation that is just going to liquidate Indigenous rights and self determination and jurisdiction. I mean, how how do you defend that? Right? I mean. Uh, I think I think that fear that is held over members of parliament with party discipline is uh, a, an effective silencer yeah. I would like to see some integrity and I would like to see one of them at least stand up and
0: yeah and I think we're approaching that point now too right I feel like there's probably more internal discourse than we might ever get a chance to see uh, as being members of the public but I think that you can't discredit the internal discussions and debates and arguments that happen in these, like, on any issue like this. But I think that, um, yeah, I think there's coming a time, right, where, like, there's definitely different indigenous folks that have adopted allegiances to
1: um,
0: colonial politics, um, but where you know how do they operate within those systems for accountability right like I I feel like I've been one of those people that has been or could be you know what I mean like I was a bureaucrat I worked inside government there's definitely confidences that you have to keep around the conversations that you have and the rationale for why decisions are made but I do know that I mean, people have heard me on this podcast enough to know that I can't keep my mouth shut to save my life. So, <laughs> it, you know, there are those people internally that might not get to say what they're thinking outside in the public, but have definitely and repeatedly and continually voiced their opinions on the inside. So, yeah, I you know, don't know if I don't yeah. know
1: if that's happening. I, I really don't. Yeah. I, you know, we mentioned Robert Roulette Falcon before. He has deviated from the party line. Um, I think primarily to get attention but also um he, he you know to his credit I suppose he has has broken that party discipline but I'm not sure how much of those conversations are actually having I think that uh, the liberals seem pretty united in this uh indigenous rights process
0: okay so here's a challenge to our listeners because I know we have a ton of listeners that are in <laughs> Ottawa that if you agree with me, please send supporting documentation to the Yellowhead uh, Edward Scoden account. And if you agree with Hayden, also send your supporting documentation to the Yellowhead Edward Scoden account.
1: Thank you for the shout-out. <laughs> Loyal member of our team. Yeah. I wonder if I should institute some Yellowhead party discipline.
0: Yeah, no. We, none we, of we, us we. None of us would listen. You would try. You're already getting shot down now. There's no way that anyone... Um, would follow that in any of the people. Listen uh, to that your leader.
1: <laughs> uh, no, of course we have we have people have written for us that mm-hmm. that uh, definitely do not toe the yellow headline mm-hmm. on uh, even the rights framework. We had uh, mm-hmm. Adam Gaudry write a, a fairly positive uh, mm-hmm. piece on on the rights framework. So yeah, I guess that's really not going to work out, is it? The no. No. Here we go. <clears throat> uh the Haudenosaunee, where's the, you know there's some party discipline in that political process no Strong
0: branding yes
1: Well st- strong branding but you know <laughs> you what what, ha- what so this is sort of law right I mean okay yeah. so party discipline in in parliamentary uh the process is a convention
0: Are you comparing Haudenosaunee to the colonizers right You know now?
1: it um so it's a bit different than a than a sort of constitutional framework like the Great Law of Peace, but you know what uh, what happens when you what is happening here?
0: I well the phone keeps beeping and then I wanted to turn off the beeping, but now it's playing.
1: There's somebody intervening in our? Someone podcast.
0: is messaging me. I'm turning off <coughs> the thing. Um. Yeah, I mean, there's a difference between the way that like Haudenosaunee identify to within representation in the Confederacy, right? Like my my leadership are my relations, right? Like we get to Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. choose from our family who that is. And I think there's a different process that goes along when you're electing or choosing leaders um, within the Confederacy, you get to, you know someone your entire life. You know what they do, you know all their shortcomings, you know all their strengths, and you see how they handle themselves and how they um, make decisions. And I think that is what's really important, right, is that you get to know who those people are. And before anyone takes on a leadership role or becomes um, entrusted with that kind of responsibility, they...
1: They're thoroughly they're, vetted. They're
0: thir- not not even thoroughly vetted, but right. You but I would know who they are, and I would know that they would support our family, that they operate with Haudenosaunee values, right? Like, uh, and that they show that caring, and then we would nominate them, and we would say, here's who I think should be our person. And we went through this at Green Corn this year, where they lifted up uh, three faith keepers at my longhouse, but they. Um, But the only way you get that ceremony put through and the only way that person is actually affirmed into that position is if your brothers are the ones that are, um, put that ceremony through for you. Mm -hmm. So not only do you get to choose who that is for yourself, it's not complete until everyone else also agrees that that's the right person.
1: Now, I feel like you're deflecting a little bit.
0: I just so think it's. I think I, you're there's comparing. a
1: leadership process that's important, yeah. yes, and party yes. discipline flows from the leadership process. But I am yeah. curious about the use of coercion mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> in Canadian poly party politics, but also yeah. in Haudenosa- Haudenosaunee political processes. Yeah. um and uh i think that if the- you do not accept the great law of peace <laughs> if you do not accept the party line mm-hmm. what ha- what happens next you know that's mm-hmm. that's all i'm saying that's my that's my question you know <laughs> are, are there robert oulette falcons mm-hmm. in your longhouse? house that's what i want to know
0: well no because i go to onondaga's <laughs> <laughs> like a good mohawk uh, i go to the onondaga longhouse that's the shadiest thing i've ever said on this and only mohawks are gonna get that <laughs> Um, Uh, I think that though, that's the thing, right? Like there's a, there's a difference too, right? We talked about non-interference before, but there's an idea too that like, ultimately I'm only responsible for myself and I'm responsible for carrying out traditions and those kinds of things, right? Which I think is comparable, right? Like they expect MPs to carry out their duties as members, but I... (sighs) if you don't want to be a part of the, you know, if you don't want to be part of the culture, if you don't want to be part of the community, you don't have to be right. That's part of having free will.
1: Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I think
0: that that's, that's a part of it. Right. And I think that also I I do see your like comparison though, especially when it comes to, um, the role that, um, plays right as the, a person with a position of, of, ensuring the space, right? Keeping the space. And I think that that might be where the idea of... I don't know. I don't know enough about colonialism to make that comparison. But I think that, like, uh, yeah, I think there's that idea, right? That there's part of it. It's part of disciplining the mind. It's part of having a good mind. Mm -hmm. It's part of wanting to be a part of your community. And, I mean... Ultimately, if you go back and you think about like what those core values are, you know, it's gonna gonna and good right? Like, it's about not just this. I don't think compliance is compelled or coerced. I think it would be a, called gonna right? And it's the love right. among us. Yeah, yeah. And it's this idea that you, we're not held together by coercion, we're held together by love.
1: Yes. And that uh, compliance, if we even call it compliance, is you would
0: call it compliance <laughs> compelled
1: well I would say liberals would might call it compliance mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> I, I think it's very similar in Nishnabek politics and obviously we're, we're talking about sort of political systems um, that are imperfect as a result mm-hmm. of settler colonialism but mm-hmm. it's really that it's it's individual autonomy and the pursuit of liberty that underwrites so much of Nishnabek politics mm-hmm. like where Haudenosaunee politics and is, is much more institutionalized. I think um, Anishinaabek uh, are institutionalized, but a little bit more informally. Of course, there's the clan system and the clan that you're born into or adopted into, you... Uh, you participate in that political process. That political process moves to the council table, to the confederacy table. You have a role in society uh, as a member of a, a particular clan. Um, clan system has a number of other important um, features that support community health mm-hmm. and social organization, so on and so forth. But um, it's, v- it's very difficult and almost impossible to force anybody to subscribe to a particular line, whether it's the, cl- the clan line or the community line or the national line. Um, you're not permitted in Anishinaabek culture, at least traditionally, to force anybody to do anything. They mm-hmm. have to make the decision themselves. And it's, it's interesting to think about how that's been manifest through time. I mean, we always talk about the Royal Proclamation of 1764, 1763 and the Treaty of Fort Niagara as this seminal moment in the creation of Canada. I mean, I've written about this and I've since changed my mind, but uh, while the British were saying, hey, here's this wonderful document, we're going to recognize your sovereignty and we're not going to cross this line without making a treaty. Um, you know, some Anishinaabek accepted that, but other Anishinaabek didn't. Like. Pontiac and his allies continued to fight the British and tried to push them into the sea. And that's just an example of the difficulty at Anishinaabek trying to um, force any unity. Mm -hmm. So not only... I I know that Haudenosaunee make a big deal about the Confederacy being split uh, only a few times in history, but for Anishinaabek, I think it it happens all the time. There's all that division, but maybe it's not conceptualized so much as division. It's just like, you've decided on that path, we're deciding on this path. Our interests are not aligned, but that's acceptable because first and foremost comes freedom and autonomy. So, I think that there's a really interesting contrast to make here between settler politics and indigenous politics. Like Settler politics force that order and that compliance and in some ways that makes it a more um, formidable machine you know you have a, a consistent and uh, blunt party line whereas indigenous politics it, it's not so much order that's prized and privileged but, but freedom and so it's, it, it's much more difficult to have that um, overwhelming unity Except, of course, when there's very clear causes, like, um, well, I shouldn't even say that. When there's very clear causes of potential extinction, there's still differences in opinion about how to approach that, and that leads to division, a healthy division, I think.
0: Yeah, I think that Indigenous politics is certainly different, too, from Southern politics, in the sense that our divisions are not often amongst ideology and I think that you find much more um in what would be called like a settler spectrum of political beliefs you know right and left you see all of those ideas manifesting in the same indigenous communities trying to find a balance between those kinds of ideas right that there's kind of a less um and and therefore like kind of more of a middling. In indigenous politics right more of a even with someone call it consensus but not necessarily as um, liberal or conservative you know small L liberal or socialist right like it's we our decisions weave within all of those different kind of areas so I think that's also what makes it different I think we have a more um, at least with Haudenosaunee like an emphasis on consensus building
1: Mm-hmm. yeah no i think it's all about consensus building you you know i i always remember this uh there was this missionary uh, Lejeune, i think it was he was i think he was the first guy to learn Huron <clears throat> and um he was eventually roasted of course mm-hmm. but he uh he wrote in his journal that the Huron just basically made fun of their leaders mm-hmm. they they you know made they they ne- they they wouldn't uh, obey the leader. They wouldn't, um, take direction from the leader unless they decided that it was a good decision. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's sort of reflected of, re- 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 uh, reflecting, reflected, reflective, reflective, <coughs> excuse me. That's sort of reflective of, uh, the, the, consensus-building process, right? We're not, we don't have a leader standing at the front of the room saying, this is what you're doing, and this is how we're doing it. It's rather, this is what I think we should do, and this is why I think we should do it. Join with me, or don't, and then, of course, the ongoing dialogue. Um, and that maybe that's what Romeo Saganesh is inspired by, right? He's not, mm-hmm. he's not gonna, he's not gonna subscribe to this politics where... Mm-hmm. the leader of your party or whatever tells you what you can mm-hmm. and cannot do
0: yep. bringing it back to romeo um i really admired that too because i think that there was a time during the afn election process too where he was incredibly engaged with the process on social media and himself was asking questions as a first nations person of the afn and i think I really respect that as well, right? That I think we, you know, there are these institutions that have been created and I think it's our right to scrutinize and ask for accountability from those structures to the people, right? To people and I think that's very common. And I think that that's the difference that you see as well with, you know, indigenous people is that they're, while they may not vote, they are far more civilly engaged than other people tend to be.
1: Oh, the most engaged politically in the country. Yeah. I mean, voting is the minimum threshold for mm-hmm. a, a, a political participation. Yeah. It's such a cop-out to say, if you don't vote, then you don't get to say, well, mm-hmm. go stand on a blockade. Go stand in a blockade.
0: Yeah. <clears throat> and so I think that's really... Um, that's a, another thing too right is that idea that indigenous uh people are, are are incredibly civilly engaged right that's i've always really admired that about our people and i think that that's really like i would say like my dad probably has never voted but he knows what's going on in the house you know what i mean like he's always and he said that example of like just having to know what's going on in the world right and my dad read the newspaper every day when i was growing up and he always emphasized and we watched the news every single night and knowing what was going on in the world and knowing what was happening was always something that was really important it's always something that's been really important to him and so i think that's very common in amongst our people right to want to have their perspectives and their ideas affirmed and and being able to see themselves and the, the decisions that their leaders are making right which i think is why there's so much kind of stratification or disagreement within our community right now around things like the rights framework, right? Because there's a lot of people that are saying, I don't see how this reflects what I would see to be clear logic or clear, like there's just a a disconnect Mm -hmm. that's uh, really obvious as your article for Yellowhead uh, articulated.
1: right. Well, it's another. that's sh- the second shout-out for, for Yellowhead <laughs> today.
0: Listen, you, uh, if so, you're If you not going to do the work. I'm going to have to. <laughs> I'm going to pick up the slack. <laughs> uh,
1: well, hey, if I could vote for Romeo Saganesh, I would vote for, Ro- for Romeo Saganesh. I don't vote in federal elections myself, uh, just like your dad, but... No. Um, yeah, I'd vote for Romeo. But the, it's the point that you make about the AFN meetings. You know, I go to these AFN meetings... Uh, at least, much more uh, recently, mm-hmm. and Romeo Saganash is the only member of Parliament that mm-hmm. I've seen there, mm-hmm. unless it's Carolyn Bennett or Jane Philpott presenting. Yeah. Um, he's the only member of Parliament that I've seen there that has come in just to just to listen and to, mm-hmm. and to hear what's happening. So
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, I don't see any other Native MPs going. I don't see any other MPs generally going. And yeah,
0: uh, oh, you know, another
1: another. Another thing that he... uh, Yeah,
0: another thing. Add that to the list of Romeo fucking showing people how it's done. (laughs) Leading by example, I think, is a huge thing, right? And that's... I think there's all a lot we can learn from Romeo in that sense.
1: Yeah, and... Yeah, you could go down the list of of his accomplishments. It's, you know, standing up for residential school survivors and... um, speaking passionately about the preservation of the language and, you know, confronting very personal issues in a um, mm-hmm. you know, deeply genuine way and again, leading by example. Um, getting into the public discussions all on all ranges of issues with uh, mm-hmm. persuasion we'll miss Romeo Saganash now all that being said I think his his bill 262 his declaration on the rights of indigenous people legislation is a bit flawed and very close to being co-opted by the the liberals to use for their own Mm -hmm. agenda I mean, it's a, good, it's a good piece of legislation in the sense that it requires Parliament to account for their implementation of the Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous People, you know, uh, forming a committee to hold them accountable and to uh, develop a shared or a collaborative process to implement the Declaration, but ultimately so much of it rests on the interpretation of the mm-hmm. Declaration, so if the Liberals can control those processes, and you know, if they have some or, uh, some body that helps them co-develop their implementation plan, they can stack it with moderates, and uh, those moderates could say, like, minister after minister has said, well, we already we already align with the Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous People, or we have Section Thirty Five, or this is aspirational. So it's uh, that aspect of the legislation needs a bit more a bit more meat. Not not to say that it mm-hmm. won't be a powerful tool. It will be, but. Mm -hmm. I think it's going to I think the liberals are figuring out how to how to use it to their own ends and not actually implement the declaration
0: I also think comparing that bill to the rights recognition framework I see a lot more like I believe in like multiple and different types of uh, pushes for liberation right that there's all these different ways in which we can do that and all of them are necessary to because we have to be responsive in all these different areas but I I think comparing those two things together I think that I have more like the liberals are talking about implementing what's out there or you know not getting in the way or whatever kind of rhetoric they're using but those two a lot of those tools are talking about already exist right like you know what legislative powers are they gaining through new legislation that don't already exist in some form under the Indian act? Um, Mm -hmm. And how, how is that not the same or how is it different than implementing Romeo's bill Mm -hmm. or, or implementing that bill? Right? Like how are those two things compared or contrast to one another? And are they achieving the same things? And I don't think they are achieving the same things. And I have a bit more faith in, uh, the conceptualization that Romeo's put together on actually implementing tools that exist instead of just this kind of like rhetoric turn, the right recognition Mm -hmm. framework Mm -hmm. has taken.
1: Yeah. I'm hopeful. I hope so. I hope that you're right. And I hope that it, uh, I, I think that it will be a powerful tool and I think it goes further than anything that the liberals have put forward. But I am concerned that, uh, there's too much space for them to interpret. Um, what alignment or uh, implementation of the declaration means in a Canadian context and then i'm also concerned as i said of them creating a body to co-develop a plan for implementation and that body is basically just you know
0: mm-hmm. full
1: of probably moderate indians liberal insiders mm-hmm. uh those susceptible to party discipline
0: <sighs> we're never going to be insiders hayden <laughs> Um, <laughs> well, you might that, get there. That,
1: that's okay. That's okay. Yeah, it's like yeah. uh, <laughs> there's that old line I remember hearing it from Louis de Basi de Bosque, where, uh where mm-hmm. you know you get nomi- you get nominated for council or or politics. It's like, what did I ever do to you?
0: <laughs> yeah, is I there, mean, is there
1: is there really any is there really a tougher job than being a First Nation politician?
0: I mean, yeah. There's a li- <laughs> I can think uh, of so many <laughs>
1: dishwasher.
0: Oh yeah, like oh, any anyone anyone. I I mean I will say that like, I have. So we have like the way Six Nations is set up is we have six different districts, and we have two counselors per district, and I like one of my band counselors very much.
1: Well, that was just uh, Courtney almost crashing the car.
0: Okay, here we go. Ooh, <laughs> Sorry, I forgot to have the car in sport mode, and we're driving through a city. We're not on. We're not even on the highway. Uh,
1: this is, we're taking a detour today. Yeah. The red road is too red for us.
0: Yeah. That's how you know this commute is like going bad when like we can't use the highway system. <laughs> Like, there's, there's like at certain points, like what, five or six lanes into Toronto and none of them are moving. It's
1: useless. The highway is useless.
0: Oh, and then also the GO train is all messed up. Like, it's, there's no point. I was listening to Metro Morning. Toronto hates us. Yeah. I was listening to Metro Morning, uh, and they're talking about gentrification and how hard it is to commute into the city now too, because of so much sprawl and, and people being displaced, like yourself, into outside of Toronto, and well, I guess like myself too. Although all of this, everything that light touches, is my territory. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's tough. Tough here.
1: Uh, yeah. So that little interlude. Um, what were
0: we talking about? We were talking about the difference between the rights recognition framework and yeah. But Bill I thought we were C2-16. talking about a very
1: specific thing before you almost rear-ended that.
0: Oh, I, I was focused on that. I was focused <laughs> well, on you're that. Well, you were
1: talking about the districts, my... the districts. Oh, the districts, and yeah. You oh, and yeah. you like one counselor. Oh, I like
0: one of my counselors, yeah. I'm not going to say which one. Keep them on their toes. But I don't think they're... I mean, they have a complex job.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yes, yes.
0: Um, but I think that... Well, I mean, I, leadership in our communities manifests in so many different ways as well, right? Yes. Like, and I think that the people who I would say are like the most effective leaders currently are are not necessarily people that hold titles. And I think that that's something I admire about them as well, too, right? But I also admire the people that do have positions and use it subversively, right? Like Romeo Saganash, right? There's mm-hmm. a lot that I could levy against the elected officials who are men who for all their misogynistic tendencies are, whatever, but I also think that there are, you know what I mean? There's exceptions to everything, and I sure. try to um, sit in that stew of grayness.
1: <laughs> I, <there are laughs> the many. metaphors
0: are not coming to me today. That's okay. it's it's a, I got a, I got a small coffee instead of a big one.
1: <laughs> there are many ways to resist, and there are many ways to leave. Yes. But I just think about, if you, so you are a first, say you're a First Nation elected band counselor. Mm-hmm. Um, you have the impossible job of trying to fix these structural issues that you don't have the tools mm-hmm. to address.
0: You're uh, an underpaid s- INAC employee. Wow. Well,
1: uh, yes, that is true. Mm-hmm. Um, so your community is going to tell you you're doing an awful, shitty job. Um, INAC is going to tell you you're doing an awful shitty job, Canadians are going to tell you you're doing an awful shitty job, if you're an elected band councillor and you have a traditional governance system, your traditional leaders are going to tell you you're doing a shitty job um, it's it's um, mm-hmm. a tough job and I say that being one of the biggest critics of the band council system and individual councillors and now it's taken us away from our governance structures in ways that Mm -hmm. you know are borderline irrecoverable irretrievable
0: yeah and I think that that's I mean in Haudenosaunee they called them uh dehorners right we have our chiefs wear um deer antlers and there was a whole subset of our population right that were seen as progressives and or would picture themselves to be progressive and wanting to assimilate and wanting to adopt, um, you know, European conveniences and, and see our communities evolve right into a way that was more, that was away from our traditional governance systems. And they were some of the strongest advocates for, um, for seeing our traditional structures, um, dismantled, right. And reconfigured Mm -hmm. in a way that was uh separate right that because it is that way right like if you think about like people who have that proximity And in Haudenosaunee the people who have proximity to power are arguably the people who are who are closer cl- more closely connected to who might inherit or be a part of these traditional leadership systems right and like there have been many different instances where a direct assault from this a state has disrupted that disrupted our our communities but it's also these people among in our own communities right that are advocating for that as well
1: i'm always fascinated when i'm at six nations some of my friends you know talking about the geography of six nations and how the community is organized in some ways about uh, or around who was closest to the Indian agents in town? Or who was closest to the um, mm-hmm. the settlers who lived on that part of the mm-hmm. reserve, and those who weren't lived on this mm-hmm. part of the reserve? And yeah, I talked you're about talking
0: about the upper end and then and down below.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um,
0: I'm uh, what? So upper enders are would be those people, right, that are seen as more Christianized, I guess, or historically would be more christianized and then down below is where like all the right tradition people live and (laughs) if you know anything about where my family has our ties to i would live in a part of the res called right down below (laughs) (laughs) and uh yeah that's where our family is is still on a dirt road one of the last dirt roads left on six nations in uh
1: look Seven at you guys yep. one of the no no more dirt roads moving up mm-hmm. uh we don't have any paved roads <laughs> we have a paved <laughs> we have a concrete dock and then mm-hmm. dirt roads i
0: was gonna say i'm surprised you guys have roads
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh we have a uh we're a water people <laughs> so we have boats and yeah. lakes and rivers so let's talk mm-hmm. about tradition okay yeah um <laughs> Well, I mean, in a previous podcast, I talked about how our our community was divided in half, so Mm -hmm. between religious factions. So this Mm -hmm. geography of Mm -hmm. uh, the political geography, I think, matters a lot. But I'm just thinking about the dehorners and all of the Indian agents that were in communities Mm -hmm. um, and in the late period of Indian agents. I mean, I'm not talking about, you know, Carolyn Bennett, but 19... 70s, 1960s, 1970s. Some of those Indian agents were actually native. I mean, the last mm-hmm. Indian agent on my reserve uh, was a guy named Sony. Um, he was Mohawk, of course. Mm-hmm. But we we had those people mm-hmm. that, uh, if, and we have the Indian catchers in residential school. So yeah. I think that there's a tradition of uh, mm-hmm. of uh, those in our communities that that um, sabotage. Mm-hmm. Uh, traditional governance systems and authentic governance systems whatever those are
0: and i think that is also not to be overlooked as a tool of colonialism right that part of that a part of colonization is co-opting people that are within the community right and winning over certain people and and developing these types of moderates right i read a book i can't remember what uh, you know when i was pretending i still cared about academia and one of the stories in the book was talking about how they were trying to do this right as a tool of colonization they were intentionally trying to recruit who amongst a community would become a part of their um a part of this idea to stop uh, ghost dancing Hmm. and so they were looking to um deputize one of the um, native people into becoming uh difficult combat ghost dancing and so they gave him a United States flag and a cavalry uniform and they wanted this guy to become a a uh, uh, officer right to stop the ghost dancing and they so they gave him all this stuff and he just danced with the flag and the uniform <laughs> like and did that right and didn't actually suit their ends so I think that there's a mix of that right I think there's probably a lot more people that think they are still ghost dancing holding a flag wearing a uniform and some people that just are fooling themselves into thinking that they're still doing something that serves to benefit the community when they're actually not
1: Mm -hmm. well here's where it gets sticky this whole conversation started Mm -hmm. with elected band counselors Mm -hmm. um and the potential harm (laughs) <laughs> despite their tough job <laughs> supposedly tough job uh, the potential harm that they do mm-hmm. but to bring it full circle if you're an indigenous leader who decides to join settler politics like a Romeo Saganash does that undermine and further take mm-hmm. uh, take us away from mm-hmm. from um, mm-hmm. more authentic forms of governance so.
0: mm-hmm. and I think That's why something like what happened yesterday does happen too, right? Like, Mm -hmm. you got to let them know which side you're on, right?
1: Right. Or also just the frustration with the process. Mm -hmm. I mean, Romeo Saganash, I'll be really interested to see what he has to say when he does retire, but Mm -hmm. he's got to be pretty damn frustrated trying to make Mm -hmm. change in this uh, Mm -hmm. parliamentary system as an opposition MP, Mm -hmm. but also uh, in a system that Mm -hmm. is not really proven effective for making change mm-hmm. for indigenous people
0: maybe one day romeo will be a guest on our podcast that would
1: be amazing i would love to go for a drive with romeo
0: yeah we'll tweet at him <laughs> sliding his dms
1: <laughs> just blitz blitz him with red road maybe we can do the first uh exit interview the first post <laughs> post retirement interview with uh yeah. romeo saganash red we'll, road
0: we'll road trip him back to his community right. <laughs> From Ottawa, I'm into it. We got room in this car. We can move his office out in the back.
1: (laughs) Feel like that's the podcast. That's
0: it. That's it. We're done. Yeah, shut it off. (laughs) (laughs) Mr. Speaker, when the Prime Minister insists that this pipeline expansion will be done uh, no matter what, and his minister adds that uh, that this uh, that Canada will not be able to accommodate all Indigenous concerns. What that means is that they have decided to willfully violate their constitutional duties and obligations. Mr. Minister, Mr. Speaker, sounds like a most important relationship, doesn't it? Why doesn't the Prime Minister just say the truth and tell Indigenous peoples that he doesn't give a fuck about their rights? You've been listening to the Red Road Podcast, created by Courtney Sky and Hayden King, sound and audio editing by Humble Man Recording. Find us on Twitter, Instagram, Google Play, SoundCloud and iTunes.